morning. I want to join in with Bill and welcome to everybody here, especially those who are visiting. I appreciate Richard leading that song, especially the last minute I asked him to lead that. And it's something he's never led. Of course, he can handle that. <laughs> he always does a good job in his singing. appreciate him leading that last song, especially, O Thou Found of Every Blessing. Sometimes uh, before the night that we're going to sing, I look at a song and our lesson tonight will be our singing night, and uh, all the men will be leading singing and reading scripture um, in our service tonight, so I encourage you to be back tonight, be a part of that. I started to go through this song like we have with other songs, and look. And sometimes I want to do that, but I got to looking at one part of this. It's important to, to look at our songs and know what we're singing. I appreciate what Lynn said at the table about night with Evan Pinion. It's good to be reminded of what these words mean that we sing. But instead of going through this whole song, uh, there's so many things that we could talk about. Oh, thy fount of every blessing. Uh, Isaiah prophesied that a fount of salvation would be open one day. And of course that uh, fountain of salvation was provided through Jesus Christ and his blood on Calvary. And Jesus talked about the waters of life, and even in the book of Revelation, we read the streams of the waters of life is where we're one day hoping to be forever. Jesus provides that. But I want us to, to look at this particular phrase of the second uh, second stanza in this. At 420 is the song, if you want to look at it in the book. Sometimes we think, sing about things. I, uh, I know I sang this as... as uh, a kid for a long time, and I didn't understand really what this was about. When he said, I, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come. And I hope in thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God, and he rescued me from danger and interposed his precious blood. What does it mean to raise your Ebenezer? Only Ebenezer I'd ever really heard about or thought about was Ebenezer Scrooge, you know. Uh, I, that's what I thought of when I was a kid. It's, all, it's crazy what you think about when you hear some of these songs when you're a child. I won't go into all of those. You know some of those. And you probably had heard some things when you were growing up um, and thought they were saying one thing and we were saying completely something else. But this is one of those, Ebenezer. So who would raise an Ebenezer? And uh, what is an Ebenezer? He kind of tells you in the next verse, it's, um, hither by thy help I've come. Um, Ebenezer means stone of help, literally. Stone of help. And we read about that in 1 Samuel chapter 7, where Samuel raised up a stone as a memorial to the help that God had provided. And he called it Ebenezer which means stone of help. It was memorial to remember the help. Now you remember the context of 1 Samuel 7. If you remember back, it was a time where Israel had become very unfaithful. You remember Samuel was the last of the judges, and the period of the judges was a terrible time, where it began with people being doing what was right in their own eyes, and it ended with that same statement that everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. You remember the pattern throughout the judges that they would 
turned against God in sin, and God would therefore, even though he brought them into the land of milk and honey, uh, because of their unfaithfulness, would allow their enemies to come upon them, and, and they would have trouble, and they would uh, be persecuted, and they would cry out to the Lord, and the Lord would raise up a deliverer or a judge, and he would deliver them. And we read uh, uh, from Othniel uh, all the way through uh, to Samuel of the judges that would deliver. And that pattern went throughout the judges. They'd sin, and then they would cry out, and then they, God would deliver them, and so on. We find that they were very wicked in the time of Samuel and become so wicked that God had allowed the Philistines to come in and uh, evidently it seems to destroy Shiloh where the temple or where the tabernacle was. Uh, there's evidence of that uh, that maybe even the tabernacle itself was destroyed. At least it was not like it was beforehand. You look at passages, for example, uh, back at Psalm 78 and verse 60. You remember the Philistines had come in, they'd taken the Ark of the Covenant and put it there before their God Dagon. You remember the result of that, that God caused that uh, image to be uh, broken in two and finally uh, people were um, uh, received a plague from God and finally they, they got rid of it. You remember they put it on a cart and let it go back home. Um, this is what was going on during that time, but the Philistines had gone in and evidently had destroyed Shiloh. Uh, Psalm 78, uh, down in verse 60, it says that he, and he's talking about how God was filled with wrath and, and he greatly abhorred Israel because of their sin. In verse 60, he said, He abandoned the dwelling place at Shiloh, the tent which he had pitched among men, and gave up his strength to captivity and his glory to the hand of adversity. And this is, I think, speaking of that, of that time. You can go back and, again, uh, look at Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 12. I think he mentions again chapter 26, where he's talking about, Jeremiah, of course, is talking about the captivity that was going to come upon the people finally with Babylon, who was going to come and destroy his people. And he says, I'm going to make this city, I'm going to make Jerusalem like I made Shiloh. So evidently, we don't have a record of what, what took place, but it's implied that Shiloh was laid low and they took the Ark of the Covenant. How sad. This represented God's presence among the people. And they had become so wicked and despised God and His will so much that God allowed the, the Ark of the Covenant to be taken out from their presence. And uh, uh, it was just disgrace. Well, when you come to chapter 7... First uh, Samuel. The ark by this time had been returned by the Philistines because of the plagues. They didn't want to have anything else to do with it. And so it says in verse 1 that the men of Kenneth Jerium came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on a hill. And the consecrated Eleazar, his sons, keep the ark of the Lord. And it came about from that day the ark remained at uh, Kenneth Jerium. Uh, and it was there for a long time, it says, for 20 years, and all the house of Israel amended after the Lord. So it stays there. Evidently, shallow is, is not what it was before. And they, instead of getting things back and trying to restore it and restoring themselves back to the Lord, they're still 
haven't learned their lesson and they haven't repented and they're looking for help. They have none. And they're limited. For 20 years, they allow it to stay in a place where it really ought not be. And this represented the presence of God and God's presence is not among them and the reason it is is because of their sin. That's why. Anybody that wants God to be with them can't be in sin. God's not going to tolerate sin. God's not going to be in a relationship with those who are in sin. And if you're here this morning and you're in sin, you need to understand God's not going to be with you and you're not going to receive God's help as long as you remain in sin. Verse 3 says, Samuel spoke to the house of Israel saying, If you return to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and and the uh, Ashereth, from among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the sons of Israel removed the Baals and the Ashereth and served the Lord alone. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. And they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted that day. And they said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the sons of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the sons of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the sons of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Verse 8 said, The sons of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry to the Lord for us, our God, for, for, that he might save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, and the Philistines drew near into battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with great thunder on that day against the Philistines and confused them so that they were routed before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them down as far as Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and said and named it Eleazar or, or Ebenezer saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they, they didn't come anymore to the border of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. So he, here he, we see that the children of Israel had, uh, had distress. They were, because of their sin, the Philistines were coming and oppressing them. And they're called on to repent. If you want God's help, you've got to repent. You've got to turn from sin. And they, they turned from sin. And they prayed for help. And they had Samuel to pray. He offered sacrifice. And they said, don't cease to pray for us. And they prayed for God's help. And God did help them. And he routed the Philistines. Things will only go right when you're serving God. Help only comes. The help's there. But you won't receive it until you do what's right. But when they'd received this help, they memorialized this help by setting up this rock. Ebenezer, he called it. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I've come. God had helped them, and they set up this rock to remember it. And the result was that Israel had peace. Well, why do we sing about it? Here I raise my Ebenezer. We need to understand where our help comes from. Every one of us needs help. Because all of us sin. If there's ever a passage in the New Testament that tells us that I, that I need help, that you need help, it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. That passage is talking to me. 
talking to you. Paul's talking to the Gentiles in general. In fact, he replied to the Jews themselves. He said, we're, we're really no better, he said. But all of us need help. And the reason is because we all sin. We fall for, short of the glory of God. And he said here in chapter 2 and verse 1, he said, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which is now working in the sons of disobedience. He said, we too, uh, we formerly lived in them. Jew and Gentile are all in this shape. It matters not who you are, what your background is. All of us sin. It all puts us on the same plane, doesn't it? There's not a person, I don't care what the color of your skin is, I don't care what your background is, I don't care how much you have or you don't have, every one of us are in need of the help of God's salvation. You notice what he says there in verse 11, he says, I want you to remember what your, what your circumstances are before you receive this help. He said, remember that you were formerly the Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision." He went on verse 12, said, Remember that you were one time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You are no hope. You know, the word hope is very close to the word help. In fact, I used to know a fellow in, in Woodbury. A lot of people use that word, especially in the South, as interchangeable. You've heard people say that? He said, I'll hope you do that. He never said the word help. He's always, I'll hope you. Or he'd say, come here and help me do this. They're interchangeable. They're very close to one another. Hope. There is no hope without help, is there? All of us need help. All of us, because of sin, because of transgression, find ourselves separated from God and His presence. Just as surely as Israel did not have the presence of God no longer with them at Shiloh in their presence because of their sin, the ark was no longer among them. His presence was not there, and they felt the results of it. The Philistines had burdened them and persecuted them, and they needed help. To receive it, they needed to repent. They needed to pray. They needed to receive God's salvation, and they received it. And a memorial was made through the Ebenezer, the rock of hope or the rock of help. No, our, our stone of help comes from God, doesn't come from man. There's a lot of people realize they need help, but they look for help in all the wrong places. There are people who are miserable in life. Maybe because of the circumstances, maybe because of the consequences of their own sin. And they're miserable. Sin can make you that way. Have you ever been that way? There's all, if you look back, I'd say all of us at some time in our life have realized a time where we wasn't living like we ought to. Or maybe there's some sin in our life I wasn't willing to repent. Maybe been something that's private. But I wasn't willing to repent of it and I was miserable because of it because I wouldn't turn to God. That's the way it is. Isaiah 59 2 tells us that God hides his face from those who are in sin. He will not extend his arm, his help to. He said, Sin has made a separation between you and your God so that he does not hear. It's our transgression that's made that separation, he said. He says, Not that his arm, ears are so dull that he cannot hear, or his arms are so short that he cannot 
reach out to us. That's not the problem. Sin is the problem. But a lot of times people, when they're miserable in life, they look everywhere but to God. Always on the best-selling book list, top ten bestsellers, almost every time that you look at it, there's some kind of self-help book. Now, it might be, a, it's usually a different fellow coming out. Sometimes the same fellow comes out with one every few years, you know. But there, there'll be self-help books of some kind. And people look to men for answers. And people get in certain situations, whether it's with their marriage or whether it's with uh, problems. And I, I know that sometimes uh, psychiatry and, and uh, counselors can be helpful but they are not the answer alone, and if their uh, guidance is not based upon God's truth, it's not worth a nickel. We must turn to God for help. Psalm 146 and verse 3. Do not trust in princes and mortal man in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth, and the very day his thoughts perish, How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. See hope and help there? He says you need to find your help in God. That's where help comes from, regardless of what the problem is in life. If you'll follow God's way, God's will, it'll work out. All things work together for good to them, what? That love the Lord, that seek his help. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 23 Surely the hills are a deception, a tumult of mountains. Surely the Lord is our God. He is the salvation of Israel. You can look everywhere for help. But help will never come until you turn to God. That's where you find help. Real help. You know, the mountains, when it talks about the tumult of mountains, it talks about the many mountains where the idols were, you know, it was the high places where men worshipped the idols and they could turn there but Jeremiah and that's where most of Israel had turned and because of that they were going to be led in destruction. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. He was prophesying what was going to come because where the people were looking in the wrong place and finally God his patience wore out and he was going to destroy them. But he reminds them through the prophet that the Lord God of Israel is where help comes from. Twice we're told in Proverbs, one of them Proverbs 14, verse 12. He repeats it again, chapter 16, verse 25. Anytime God says anything once, it's important. When he says it twice, better pay attention. Sure enough, right? He's trying to get a point across. He says, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the way thereof death. Don't listen to people. If you want to find help, if you want to find true help, listen to God. You know, there's all kind of people today complain, uh, uh, claiming to give help. There's many preachers today preaching uh, a false salvation because they're telling people to, to come to have salvation through things that God has never authored. He's telling them to come to God by uh, doing this or doing that, things that you don't read about in the scriptures at all. But I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what I say, what anybody says, what matters, what God says. You want help, you want salvation. You want forgiveness, you want peace, you want blessedness. It comes through the Lord. It comes through His Word. It's always been that way. 
You remember Ahaz? You'll go back and you'll find that if you seek help from man, it's going to lead to ruin. Now we've got a lot of stories that are given to us. God revealed his will through history. Most of it is in, in our Bibles, in the New and Old Testament. If you go back to Old Testament in Second Chronicles chapter 28 and Ahaz is king. Ahaz was a very wicked man and he did not seek God and therefore he was not seeking anything that was going to give help to him or his people. And Israel found themselves ravaged by uh, the Edomites. They had come and attacked Israel. Verse 17, the Philistines also had come and invaded the cities of the lowland of the Negev of Judah, taking uh, cities there. And the reason was, verse 19, is because God was humbling the king Ahaz because uh, his lack of restraint in Judah. And he very, was very unfaithful unto the Lord. That's why these things were taking place. When people find themselves in a dire strait spiritually, it's because of their wickedness. Miserable. When their conscience is pricked. When they find no blessedness in life. It's a result of sin. No help is found when you looked at the things of this world. What did Ahaz do? Did he look to the Lord? Did he look to the right place for help? Not Ahaz. It says that Ahaz uh, turned to Assyria. Tiglath-Pileser was king of Assyria at that time. And he came against him. Uh, he afflicted him instead of strengthening him. Although Ahaz took a portion of the house, uh, out of the house of the Lord, and out of the palace of the kings and the princesses, and gave it to the king of Assyria, it did not help him. Now in the time of his distress, the king Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord, and he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him. And he says, because the uh, gods of the king of Aram helped them, then I'll sacrifice to them that they might help me. But they became the downfall of him and Israel, it says. He was looking everywhere for help, wasn't he? He was afflicted on every side because of his sin, and that's where affliction comes. And he says, well, I'll, I'll turn to Assyria. Here was the most powerful. Tiglath-Pileser was the leader of the, the greatest nation on earth at that time. And he takes from the house of God, the gold and the silver. He takes from the palace of the king himself and he gives it to him. And what good did it do? It says it didn't do him any good. <laughs> didn't help him at all. What did it cause him to turn? No, he said he just become more unfaithful. And he was being attacked all, he said, uh, the Negev, that's all down south. He's been attacked all around. Even up Damascus, where they're fighting now, and up around Syria. There they were, he was being attacked up there, and because it looked like he said, well, their gods have helped them, I'll, I'll sacrifice to those gods. Instead of turning to the one place he needed to turn, he needed to turn to God, and he didn't turn. And the result was, it was his downfall. You seek help from men, you seek help from anywhere but God, and it's going to lead to ruin. Because our help comes from God, not man. God is our stone of help. Don't you think about how he's our stone of help. First of all, He's our help and salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. That was God's intention all along to give help to man. Before the foundation of the world, God knew man was going to need help. 
He knew man was going to sin. He already had a plan to give that help. That help would come through the Messiah, this seed of woman. It was told of back in Genesis chapter 3. It was told to Abraham, through his seed all nations are going to be blessed. This one who was going to come to open up a fount of salvation. This one was going to come and he was going to give help to God's people. And as Mary carried this one in her womb, she went up to visit Elizabeth, her cousin. And you remember, the child leapt in her womb. And she prophesied and gave forth this beautiful song that we have recorded in Luke chapter 1 and verse 54. And in that, she said, He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. She knew that what was in her womb was conceived by God through the Holy Spirit. She had never known man, but she was carrying the God child, the answer, the mediator, the help that was to come. He has given help to Israel, servant, he said. He has given help. Jesus Christ is our help. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 16, For he assuredly does not give help to the angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest pertaining, uh, in things pertaining to God, to make a propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in, in that which he suffered, is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. We find ourselves in sin. He had no sin, though he was tempted. And he offered himself as a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice. He gave help to us by doing that. It says that he gives no help to the angels. You know, I think it's interesting to think about the angels sometimes. You know, we don't know a lot about the angels. Maybe sometime in the future we can have lesson on the angels and what part they play and a lot of questions is left unanswered about what the angels do and, and really about who they are. But they're spiritual beings, evidently. Uh, no uh, fleshly beings. We're part spiritual and part fleshly. One day we're going to be just a, a spiritual being. We're given a new spiritual body. And he says we're going to be like the angels in some ways, even in our relationships. Jesus said, no longer... Married or given in marriage, but be like the angels in heaven. The angels are spiritual beings, and evidently because of the ability that they have, have a, even a greater responsibility. We're made lower than the angels. But because of that, because of that uh, ability that they have to know and comprehend and to do, are not given a plan of salvation. But we know that angels can fall and be even placed in places of darkness for the judgment. And that there's a place prepared for those who are unfaithful. A place prepared for the devil and his angels called the lake of fire. But there's no plan of salvation. There's no help for those 
angels who have fallen. It says he gives no help to the angels. But we can be so thankful. We ought to be. We ought to be grateful. We ought to be thankful. Are you thankful? For the help that God provided through Jesus. He gives no help to the angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. We can be very thankful. The passage that Jeff read to us in Isaiah 49 and verse 8, it foretold of that day when help would come. Thus says the Lord, in the favorable time I answered you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. And I will keep you and give you a covenant of covenant of the people to restore the land to make them an inheritance in the desert heritage. A time of help was going to come. A time of salvation was going to come. When would that be? He says, a day of salvation, a favorable time. When does that come? You remember what Paul said over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, the acceptable at the acceptable time, he, he quotes from this, I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, he says, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. God's salvation, God's help has come through Jesus Christ. He's our help. I ask you this morning, do you need help? If you're in sin, you need help. You're like... The description there in Ephesians chapter 2, dead in your transgressions if you've not been saved from sin through Jesus Christ. But you can have help through him. And once you become saved through his salvation that's only found through Jesus, through repenting and being baptized, you can find help through his word. It'll help you, it'll lead you, it'll guide you. In Psalm 119 and verse 175, Let my soul live, that it may praise you, and let your ordinances, that's his word, let your ordinances help me. If you ever get distraught in life, even as a Christian, if you feel like you need help, then you can find solace, you can find help, you can find comfort, you can find peace in God's word. How much time do you spend with it? When he spend time with God's word, there's where help's found. It's found in God. He's our stone of help. He's our Ebenezer. He helps us through his providence. Do you believe in God's providence? What is providence? That's one of those words we say it like it's spelled. We'd, we'd understand it better. You know, what's providence? Pro- providence, isn't it? And that's what it is. God provides for us. He provides for our situations and the things that we need. He can do that by his power. Remember what Paul says. He stood before Agrippa in Acts 26 and verse 22. He said, so I've obtained the help from God. Having obtained help from God, I stand this day testifying both small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place. Paul said, I'm standing here by the help of God by God's providence, that he was able to stand and even speak before kings. As Jesus said, the apostles were. Many had sought his life. He'd been cast into prison, but because of God's help, because of his providence. God, Paul believed in the providence of God, and that's why he, he told many times the, the brethren to pray for him. And we need to pray to God, and we need to pray for one another, pray for our own situations, because help only comes from him. And that tells us that help comes from prayer. In fact, the Lord tells us that in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. You need help? 
You need to pray. Sometimes when people need help, that's when they pray the least. I think when you need help, that's when you need to pray the most. As one fellow said, you know, when, when it's the hardest to pray, that's when you need to pray the hardest. And he says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Why? Why do you need to draw near unto God under the throne of grace? How do you do that? Through prayer. Why do you need to do that? He says, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you have a need, you need to go to God in prayer. You need to seek his word. You need to seek his salvation. Because God will help you with your needs. All our needs. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Everything. He didn't say he's going to give you everything you want. Now, that's what some of these preachers say. You come to God, he'll give you everything you want, especially if you send them money. He said he'll help you with everything you need. Everything. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly beyond what we ask and what we think according to the power that works within us. Our stone of help our Ebenezer is God. Salvation comes from him. Help comes through his word, through his providence, through prayer. He helps us with all our needs, but it's conditional. It's conditional. It was back in 1 Samuel 7, wasn't it? Were those people in need of help? Yes, they were. But it was conditional, first of all, on their repentance. You remember verses 3 and 4? They wanted help. Samuel says you need to repent. And if you'll turn to the Lord and serve him, serve him alone, then he'll help you. And they did. He said you got to do it with wholehearted devotion. And they said that's what we want to do. We've sinned against God. That's, that's what you got to realize. You won't ever find help until you come to realize that you've sinned against God and you want to do something about that sin and realize that the only way you can do something about it is to come to him for help. Now Samuel offered a sacrifice and prayed for them and they received help. Sacrifice has already been made for us. It's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He's our help. If we come to him, not just through prayer, but the Bible tells us what we need to do is repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus himself said, He that believes and is baptized shall be what? Shall be helped. Shall be saved. Salvation's the help we need. But there's no help for those who won't repent. If you won't repent, you're not going to obey. Those who want to repent will seek to obey. That's why Jesus, through the apostles, said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. But Jesus said, if, you, if you're not willing to repent, Luke 13, verse 3, he said, you'll likewise perish. You know, God wants to help each of us. If he didn't, he wouldn't have sent his son to die for it. He so loved the world, that's me and you, that whosoever should believe in his son might not perish but have everlasting life. And Peter said in Acts 3 and verse 19 that if we'll be willing to repent and turn, that is repent, obey his will, then our sins can be blotted out and then times of refreshing will come. Help will come. 
Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help. And I want to tell you the reason I'm here now. And the reason I have hope. And the reason I have forgiveness is because of the mercy of God. That's the only reason. I'm a sinner. I need God's mercy. I need his forgiveness. And he's my Ebenezer. Won't you want him to be yours this morning? Right now, while we stand singing a song.